Well, if you have your Bibles, turn back to Philippians chapter 3. I preached a little while on it this morning. I thought we was going to have to cut the service short because it's so frigid. And it warmed up. It was 71 degrees time we left here, and that was wonderful. And uh, we just thank God for this place to meet. Amen. I want to read a letter before I start. It says, Dear Brother Wayne and fa- church family, I want to thank you all for so much for the love and generosity you have shown our family these past few months. We're so blessed to be part of such a special church family. Thank you also for your prayers. We will be praying for you so as well. Thank you again for all you do. God bless Jeremy Hall and his family. Amen. And we thank God for the good Christmas offering that you gave them. I know it helped a lot. Philippians chapter 3, there's three key words in this chapter I preached on last week. And that's the, that we have um, the right look, which is the right values. You know, I, th- I believe that the value system of our countries went way downhill, amen? I believe we're in a value, uh, discredit- discredit- uh, discrediting our values as Christians, and, and there's little character, and if there's any time that we ought to shine and be faithful and be different and be uh, full of the Spirit, it ought to be now, and that word is count in verse 8. And then the word press in verse 14, Philippians chapter 3, there ought to be some vigor, there ought to be some energy. A lot of, put, a lot of people put energy in a lot of things, travel across the country to follow their team and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. I heard that there's two tickets that were going to be on sale tomorrow that's going to be right on the field for $90,000. 90000 Amen. You know how many missionaries that support? Amen. It, it remodeled this whole place. Amen. I tell you what, but anyway... And then uh, I think the cheap, cheaper ticket is around 12000 But anyway, uh, you know, we, we uh, invest in what we love and we have vigor and excitement and energy. And that's all well and good if you don't come before the Lord. And then verse 20, it says we look. We look for a Savior. And folks, that's the right vision. We ought to keep the vision of the Lord. And uh, this morning I preached on purity of the believer. The purity and the believer's step. That's sanctification. And we're going we're gonna to continue where we left off this morning by telling you that, uh, folks, the only way to be pure is through His Word and seeking Him and uh, being like Christ, not just a lot of resolutions. Uh, I think resolutions ought to be eternal resolutions. I don't believe it because you won't, you won't make it. I always make resolutions and don't keep them for about 30, day, uh, keep them about 30 days. Uh, the most uh, read book in the Bible is Genesis. I wonder why. Because everybody starts reading their Bible and they then they just uh, lose interest or get busy or whatever. But I, I want to preach just a few more minutes on the purity of the believer. And uh, Philippians chapter 3, if you'll stand in honor of the Word of God, and I appreciate that message, Brother Wesley, uh, gave me a bigger burden for souls, and we ought, to, we ought to be burdened for souls, amen, because there is a great white throne judgment, and there is an eternal hell. Uh, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write, the, the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. And so we discovered this morning, there's three things that ought to purify our steps. We ought to rejoice, we ought to have repetition, that's faithfulness, and we ought to have resistance. Verse 2 says, beware of dogs. And that's talking about Judaizers, but it's also talking about vicious uh, scoundrels uh, of, of the day. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision, anything that adds to salvation. For we are of the circumcision which worship God, here it is now, in the spirit 
and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any uh, man thinketh that he hath thereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. And he gives his credentials. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, as Hebrews of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisees concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and be made conformable unto his death. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for uh, the good message we already heard. Lord, I pray that you bless Brother Wesley as he grows in the Lord and God, I hope and pray he keeps that same desire to see souls saved and preach one-on-one, not just to crowds. And I thank you, God, for his desire to do something for you. Bless him. Bless his family. Thank you for the message uh, in Psalm by Hayden. Lord, thank you for Teresa. And thank you, dear God, that she stood by the uh, stuff and she's been faithful to raise these boys in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And God is paying off. I pray, dear God, that you'd bless this message. Help us, God, to be sanctified. And God, help us to rejoice in our salvation. And Lord, help us, dear God, to have a new perspective. God, help us to keep an eternal perspective. Help us to see you. God, to see you in everything this year for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we saw in verse 1, there's rejoicing, there's repetition, and there's resistance. And folks, I want to tell you something. The dogs that bark law, 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 and uh, these... uh, uh, philosophers and these cults are after you to try to get you to go uh, to add something to salvation. And uh, we saw in Psalms 19, 8 and 9 that the Word of God should be uh, 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 revered and, and we ought to reverence God and, and we, ought to, we ought to walk with God with our whole heart and that God will give us uh, peace and He'll give us uh, purpose and He'll give us uh, God power. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we ended there this morning, it said in verse 8, Finally, brethren, uh, whatsoever things are true, and here it is, whatsoever things are honest, and whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That would be a wonderful verse to put on the top of your computer. Amen? The porn comes by there, you say, that's not virtuous. That's not pure. That's not anything that praises God. It'd be great to have that on top of your TV. It'd be good to have it on your radio. It'd be good to have it on your CD player. Folks, I want to tell you something. Garbage in, garbage out. Folks, we need to have the gospel in, gospel out. And we need to realize the Word of God is pure, undefiled, inspired, and it has a sharpening two-edged sword. It's the only thing that'll divide asunder our pretenses and our falseism, and our mask that we put on. And it goes down to the uh, intents of our heart, and, 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 and it's the only thing that will purify your motive. And that's what I wanted to get into tonight, 
and, and, and just sort of jump from this, this text a little bit and go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Folks, I'm talking about purity of walk. I'm talking about purity of steps. I'm talking about sanctification. And folks, when you're pure in heart, something happens. That does not mean you're sinless. That doesn't mean, it just means that you're full of the truth and you have a single focus. You have a single heart. That's what all of chapter 3 of Philippians is about, having a single mind. Uh, chapter 2 is about a spiritual mind. But chapter 3 is about a single mind. That means that you're, there's an integrity of your soul and your mind and your heart. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs chapter 4 that we, ought to, um, that we ought to keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it all the issues of life. If there's one thing that you ought to guard this year is your heart. Now your heart is your mind, will, and emotions. Don't get the idea it's just your pump. You, know, you ought to guard your heart. You ought to stop eating all that cholesterol. You ought to stop eating four meals at one time. You ought to exercise, and that's not mean get up and, and move your fork to your mouth. That's about all the exercise some people get. And there ought to be one more rep and ought to be in, your, in your exercise program and probably one less entree. And uh, boy, that all sounds really, really good. But anyway, I'm going to tell you something, folks. God help us to realize that we need to have some spiritual exercise and spiritual discipline. And I'm talking about a singleness of, of, of my... Uh, integrity, integrity. I'll define that in just a minute, but look at Matthew 5, verse 8. The Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart. This is a heart matter. For they shall see God. Now, I, I, this, I, I studied that yesterday and the day before and just you know, thought about what does pure heart mean? And I know it doesn't mean uh, sinless. And I know the only way we can have a pure heart it's not by works, because he listed all his works, all his credentials, all his Phariseeism, and all his tribes, and all his reputation, and said, that's nothing but manure. That's dung. I counted all, every, all the education, and the Phariseeical training, and the religion, and all that stuff is nothing. It's just refuge. It's, it's, it's worthy of the trash compared to the ecstasy of knowing God and the resurrected power. And so I want you to uh, keep that whole passage in mind that we have a pure heart by the blood of Jesus as far as imputed righteousness. But, you know, as a Puritan said, there's an imparted righteousness. That means you live out what you believe. It's faith without works is dead being alone. And you're not saved by works. You just prove that you're saved by works. Amen? That's what the Bible says. And even the devil has works. He trembles. And, 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 and believes there's a God. But that's emotionalism. And that's just uh, head knowledge. And so a heart means your will, your emotion. You don't think in this pump called a heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Thou will keep, uh, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. It defines mind. And so the heart is the mind, will, and emotions. It's the soul, brother, of you. It's, it's the soul part of you. And so, folks, the pure comes from uh, the Greek word katasaris. Katasaris. Uh, my Greek's a little rusty. Uh, only Greek I know is the one at the pizza place up here on South 41. But uh, don't you love those Greek salads? Amen. But anyway, uh, it means unity. This word pure means unity. It means singleness of heart. Let me give you an illustration. Pure metal. 
that doesn't have fake alloys in it. Pure milk. Of the day, uh, for some reason, um, Amy, she likes skim milk, and she brought some in the kitchen, and I poured it on my cereal, and I said, Good night. That looks like water. Colored white. And I ate the stuff, you know, and didn't like it a bit because it was so healthy. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, man, that's not pure milk. And, uh, and, you know, and Pappy, he used to always have grade A D milk. I like 2% because I feel like I'm going to die when I drink it. But uh, it's pure milk. It's pure metal. It's not a double-hearted. It means singleness of heart. And folks, listen, the Bible says in that, uh, a couple of chapters over, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, um, it says, no man can serve two masters, for either they'll hate the, the, the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and manna. Now, I want to say what that means. When you're pure in heart, there's only one thing that matters to you, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you rejoice, and you're repetitious by coming to church faithfully, and you rebuke and resist the things of the world that add works to salvation. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you have to be baptized to be saved, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? If you have to keep the Ten Commandments, why did Jesus have to... Go to the cross. If you have to spin plates and juggle uh, things and, and keep it, things in order to stay saved and be saved, why did Jesus go to the cross? No, He finished the work. And praise God, we ought to get excited and worship God with a pure heart. That means we have no ulterior motives. We're not here for insurance connection. We're not here for cell carpet. We're not here to uh, um, uh, uh, just be popular or soothe our ego by service even. But we're here for one reason, for God's glory. Because we love Him. That's integrity of heart. There's a singleness of heart. James chapter 4, one of my favorite chapters on how to have an undeniable prayer life. If you ever want to just study prayer, you ought to go to James chapter 4. But there's some powerful verses, if you'll turn with me please, to James chapter 4. And I want you to look at verse 4. The Bible says, Ye adulterers, and adulterers. Don't that have a ring to it? Ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that the friendship of the world is what? Enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now folks, listen, that's saying you can't pay, play footsies with the world and hold hands with the world and be like the world and be worldly all week and come in this place on Sunday and try to turn on some religion. It does not work that way. Folks, we need to have integrity in our worship. I will tell you how you have integrity in your worship. You don't mix God-honoring music with rock and roll music. That's integrity of worship. But you don't mix godlessness and flesh and sin all during the week and come to the church and try to sing a song and think that you're holy. Folks, listen, there ought to be integrity in that you walk the walk and don't just sing the sing or talk the, or talk, the talk. We need to walk the walk. But look at, look at verse 8. It says, uh, verse 9. Verse 8, excuse me. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Now listen how to do this. You want to see God this year? You want to have, be full of God this year? You want God to use you this year? Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. That's a promise. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Amen. And then it says, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So it defines what pure is. Pure is to be single-minded. 
is to have one motive. It's to be clear and clean. It's, it's integrity. It's integrity. Integrity is, integrity is not double-hearted. You love God with all your heart and you prove it by your life. A person of integrity keeps his word. A person of his integrity lives up to his position. A person of integrity is one that you, that you can trust. And folks, I want to tell you something. Can God trust you with the title of Christian, Little Christ? Can He trust your heart not to be polluted by all the things of the world and this year just um, not resist the things of the world but just give in to the world? Uh, Psalms 7, verse 8. And Psalms mentions integrity three times. Let me read them to you. Psalms chapter 7, verse 8, real quick. I know this is a lot of Scripture to take in, but I, I want to I I just get this one verse in your minds that summarizes verse 1 through 7 of, of Proverbs chapter, I mean, Philippians chapter 3. In, in Psalms chapter 7, verse 8, the Bible says, The Lord will judge the people. Judge me, O Lord according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that is in me. You ever met a man of integrity? Job was a man of integrity. He never uh, charged God or sinned against God. He just worshiped God during all the trials and tribulations. Look at Psalms 26, verse 1. Psalms 26, verse 1. See, we have, we have an integrity crisis today. All these people coming out with this... Uh, Sex harassment accusations and probably realization because anybody in power that does that ought to be uh, caught and, and, and uh, tried. But we have an integrity crisis not only in politics and not only, it's definitely in Hollywood and all the actors and all the ball players that have so much money that they don't know how to use it. We have an integrity crisis in the church. We have a lot of Christians that go to church and don't live it. We have a lot of Christians that call themselves Christians and they don't walk it. That's an integrity crisis. We're in the last days where people are trying to blend in with the world. And chapter 26 of Psalms, verse 1 says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. One more verse in Psalms. Psalms 41, verse 12. Psalms 41, verse 12. Look at it with me. I'd love to study the Word of God, don't you? Look at Psalms 41, verse 12. The Bible says this. It says, And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and setteth me before thy face forever. One day we're going to face God, and we're going to find out how real we really are. I'm talking about integrity as a real Christian. Integrity is not a double-minded Christian. I wrote down all the times that whole hearts mentioned when, in our references uh, to the Word of God in Psalms 119. And the Bible tells us uh, several times that we ought to seek the Word and read the Word and meditate on the Word with our whole heart, verse 2. It starts out in that the longest chapter in the Bible about the importance of the Bible. It says, Blessed are they that keep the testimonies and that seek Him with their whole heart. You know, I, I, that's why it disturbs me, friend, uh, preachers that don't preach with their whole heart. But I tell you what also disturbs me. Listeners that don't listen with their whole heart. I mean, they come in yawning, they come in staring, they come in counting the new lights we put in, and, and they count the minutes that the, we're going to leave, and, and they, they're so easily distracted. 
and they text and they Facebook while the man of God's preaching. You're losing your integrity of worship when you do that. Amen? And I'll tell you something. We ought to worship with our pure heart and we ought to seek Him with our whole heart. Look at verse 10 of Psalms 119. The Bible says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Folks, listen. Paul was a zealous Pharisee that killed people for being Christians. And he said, I want to be more zealous for the Lord. Amen. Psalms 119, verse 34. Longest book on the, in the Bible about the book. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. That's a pure heart. It's undivided heart. You ever had somebody uh, you're talking to and you know they're not listening? Come on, say amen. My, my wife sometimes helps me with that. My daughter, Stephanie, she used to help me with that a lot. She'd, ta she'd take my face and with her little hand and pull it to her face and say, Daddy, did you hear me? Now, she wasn't saying that disrespectfully. She knew I wasn't hearing her. Good night, the Falcons were on, you know, or something, amen? You know, and uh, they turned my face. And I believe, friend, we're guilty of that in the house of God. Amen. I'm guilty of that in devotion. Sometimes I'll read my Bible and have to reread the chapter and punish myself because I, I, I got my mind wandering. I know I'm AD. You talk about ADD, DA. Uh, I'm all that, praise God. Amen. And my, my, my mother about beat it out of me, but I'm telling you, I still got some of it. Amen. I'm, my, mo, my mind's prone to wonder. How about yours? That's why I don't preach over 45 minutes because I couldn't keep any of you. Well, maybe some of you. But look, look at verse 58 real quick. I'm closing. Uh, and I say that just to keep you alert. It says this, or keep you hopeful. I entreat thy favor with my <laughs> whole heart. Folks, listen. He says, I treat, entreat thy favor with my whole heart. I think that's the same thing Paul was saying, is that all this stuff is dung, and, and I want to win Christ. And I forget those things in the past, and I... Press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. That doesn't sound passive one bit. God deliver us from the passive Christian life where we never get excited, never get committed to God with a pure heart. If there's anything we ought to get enthusiastic about in theos and God, it ought to be God. It ought to be our Savior. It ought to be taking the gospel, Wesley, to those people that are going to face the great white throne judgment and be cast into hell forever. And there will be bloody hands at that judgment. Because we'll see it. And we'll see that we work with people that we never came out of the closet, pardon the bad expression, and witness to people that needed the Lord. We we're too afraid of losing our reputation. Folks, I'll tell you what you ought to be afraid of, that you don't please God. I entreat thee, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. There's one thing that ought to possess you as a Christian this year, to please God and to have His favor. To win Christ is what the verse says in Philippians chapter 3. Win Christ. I don't mean that you win them, but you win His applause. You win His favor. You win His acceptance. You, you please God. You just please God. Look at verse 69. Psalms 119, the proud, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I, have, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. That's when the going gets tough. Will you keep 
on keeping on or you recant. And I'm going to tell you something. I've learned this a long time ago in 44 years of preaching experience. The devil don't like you doing anything for God. And if he can fight you, he'll fight you. He'll frame you. He'll accuse you. And he'll try to slaughter and devour your reputation. But most important of all, your testimony. And that's too great to lose because your testimony testifies of a living God. You ought to have a real integrity of testimony. One, one last verse. 145. Psalms 119, 145. It's just a word study, but it's more than just a word study. It's His word study. It says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O God, I will keep thy statutes. Folks, I want to say this. If you do not get in the Word of God and live the Word of God, you're wasting your breath praying. The Bible says in Proverbs that, you're, that you're, your prayers are an abomination to God. An abomination. I mean, that means it, it makes God sick. It, it's, uh, it stinks in the nostrils of God. And folks, I don't want that kind of prayer life, do you? The Bible says in Psalms Proverbs 28, verse 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. I'll give you that reference again because some of you looked at me like, oh, I don't know where that's at. Well, here it is. Proverbs 28, verse 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. So that means you don't go to church, you can forget your prayer life. Amen, because this is where you hear it. Amen. Uh, listen, I want to tell you something. Sunday school is more important than you think because I believe that as you, your relationship with the Word of God, your reverence to the Word of God, your submission to the Word of God, your fellowship around the Word of God affects your prayer life. Right. Amen. We ought to cleanse our hands but purify our hearts. We ought to have integrity. And folks, our heart dictates character. Our heart directs the will and it dominates the affections. Is your heart right? Well, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9 that you don't even know your own heart. You can't even know your own heart. Only one person knows your heart. Look at it. Jeremiah chapter 17. I thought I had it marked. Uh, it says that your heart is desperately, I mean wicked. And then it, in the Hebrew it says, who can know it? And the connotation there, Jeremiah 17, 9. You there yet? Good. It says in 17, 9. Here it is. I'm not there, but I'm getting there. The heart is deceitful above all things. Well, if I know in my heart, I'm right with God. Well, you don't know your heart. Well, uh, you know, I'm not condemned by that habit in my heart. Well, don't trust that. Because your heart can lie to you. Because it says it's deceitful. And it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I'll tell you something, the connotation there is, in the Hebrew, you can't know it. But praise God, there's one that can know it. Look at verse 10. The Lord searched the heart. Amen. I tried the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And so folks, listen, he tries, he searches. God is the only one who can properly um, uh, search the heart. Know the heart. Then he tries the reins. How? He allows circumstances to come in your life and he sees your reaction. See, anybody can plan an action, but your reaction shows your heart. There's anger in your heart. It's going to come out when somebody crosses you. 
Look at verse 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. Only God can heal the heart. Only God can give you a new heart. And when He gives you a new heart, then back to Matthew chapter 5. We'll get back to Philippians chapter 3 next Sunday. But it says in Matthew chapter 5 that you can see God. What in the world does that mean? You can see God. Look at Matthew, the Beatitude. Matthew chapter 5 and then verse 3. You can see God. God gives you a new heart. You can see Him. And folks, the way that you see God with a new heart, with a pure heart, first you have a new heart, but then you have a pure heart. It's sanctification. It's daily in the Word. It's daily praying. It's daily resisting temptation. It's living a holy life. I know that doesn't sound attractive, but I want to tell you something. It's the happiest life you'll ever live is a holy life. And I want to close by saying this, is that folks... Um, the way you get a new heart is you see yourself poor. Look at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Folks, until you humble yourself and say, I don't even know my heart, I can't save my heart, I can't, I can't control my heart, then you're, you're, you're hopeless. But if you'll just bow before God and say, I am hopeless, but God, you're the reason. And then you get broken. Look at verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. There's a brokenness. That's called conviction. I believe there's no salvation without conviction. And I don't believe there's any holy living and wholehearted living until there's conviction. And folks, conviction comes by the Word of God. And people just want a little dab of do you. Now when I had many hairs many years ago, I'd comb it up, something like yours, Brother Derek. I'd, I'd have it combed up. And I, I used something called Brill Cream. Anybody remember that? Brill cream. And the commercial was just a little dab of do you. Just a little dab. You know, it'd roach it up, praise God. And then if you have a flat top in my day, you'd get butch wax and butch it up, you know, and spike it up, praise God, man. We were cool. Either we had it slicked up or we had it waxed up. At least we had something to go up, amen. But I want to tell you this, friend. That's not the Christian life. Why is it that people want just a little dab of do you? They just want to just get enough gospel to soothe their little conscience. And they want to just come to church so the preacher won't visit them next Saturday. And they want to just come once in a while and they want to just come to leave and they just want to read a little Bible and they just want to walk a little walk and there's no second mile, there's no... Uh, going the extra mile, there's no commitment, there's no wholeheartedness to it. And friend, I'm going to tell you something, that's not Paul's life. He said all that was done, but I just want to win Christ, and I want to know Him. And I want to know Him, and I want to fellowship with Him, even in suffering, and He suffered more than any human being that ever walked this earth. But He knew Him, because He was broken. And then you need to yield. Look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness means don't think of yourself. Don't think down on yourself. Just don't think of yourself. And that means yield yourself. Yield yourself. So you got humility in verse 3. You got brokenness in verse 4. In verse 5, you got meekness. That's yielding to God. And then, and then praise God, you get a new perspective. It says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you want to be here? I was looking around at some of y'all while you were singing, 
And you know, most of you looked like you wanted to be here. And that thrilled my soul. Now, you know, there's no rope burns on your neck. Uh, there's no bribery in your billfold. I'll give you a dollar if you'll go to church, Junior. Well, what you ought to do is if you don't go to church, don't feed him for three days. He'll come to church. No, don't do that. I'm only kidding. Only kidding. Y'all turn me into the NCAA. But, uh, you know, uh, li- listen to me. Listen to me. There ought to be a holy appetite in your soul. I want to know him. All these credentials, they're not good enough. I want to reverence him. I want to love him. And that's why he started the chapter off with rejoicing. So, folks, there's a brokenness. When you have a new heart, you see yourself as poor in spirit. Not poor, have a poor spirit, but you're just broken. Uh, you're not able to live the Christian life without Him. And you mourn and you're meek. But there's a hunger and thirst. And then last but not least, look at verse 5. It builds up to it, taking them collectively. Or verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, so they shall obtain mercy. All of a sudden you begin to minister to people. You treat others like you want God to treat you, forgiving and loving. And then it goes on to say this in verse 8, and I'll close. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's a promise. You know the devil's number one goal is to blind you. He wants to blind you from seeing sin. Everybody wants to call it politically correct today. No, it's sin. It's not politically correct. Is it spiritually correct? That's the question of the hour. And folks, uh, he blinds you to the danger of sin. Oh, I can get away with it. No, you can't. You will not get away with sin. You will reap it soon and you might reap the whirlwind. You have a new heart. You have a broken heart. You have a hungry heart and a thirsty heart. A heart that does love the repetition of the Word of God and faithful. You see the danger of sin. You see sin. But most important of all, you see God. You just see God. You see God as who He is. You see God overall. You see God through it all. You see God in it all. And you just see God. And and I I love the, 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 the passage of Scripture in the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11 where Moses saw God. I mean, he saw Him, what was it he described it? Him that is invisible. Yes, look, look at it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing Him who is invisible. But I want you to look back up in verse 25. He said this, choosing rather. That's new values. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Young people, I wish you'd listen to me. Sin is pleasurable. It is fun. It's exciting. It's sensual. It appeals to the senses. But it doesn't last. And you don't see the background of sin. You don't need the backyard of sin. You don't see the last chapter of sin. You don't see God, uh, the devil promises you lights and fame and fortune, but you don't see the outhouse of sin. You don't see the rags of sin. You don't see the, 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 the consequences of sin. Wisdom is seeing the end of the story. And so he said, choose
of Egypt. He was a multi-millionaire being part of Pharaoh's family. For he hath respect unto recompense of the reward. And so, folks, he had a value check. He had a, he esteemed the riches of Christ more. He respected, and then he forsook, and then he endured. And so if you're going to start the forsaking and the enduring, you might as well go join the blooming Mormon church up here that believes you're saved by works. Folks, you don't just give up everything and turn from everything. That's why cults are so hateful. I'll just be honest with you. They ain't got enough Bible to uh, base their faith and their doctrine and their dogma on belief. They just want to cut yours. And they want to be critical of yours. And they want to try to find fault with yours. Well, I want to tell you something. I ain't got time for no fighting with them. I'm just going to tell you something. I'm going to lift Jesus up. And I'm going to esteem him. And I'm going to, I'm going to endure with him. And I'm going to have respect for God. And I'm going to choose rather than, than, than the, all the popularity and all the riches of the world. And so, folks, it, the key to your new year is not only a new purity, but a purity of walk, which you have the promise that you'll see God. You'll see God. That means you'll know God. You'll have an intimate relationship with God. Let me just put it this way. All this will be real to you. Y'all have sat through services. It just wasn't real. I didn't get anything out of it. I wasn't there for the right. It wasn't the preacher's fault. It wasn't the music's fault. It was my fault. I was so preoccupied with my sorry self that I didn't listen and I didn't respond and I didn't worship. I was just in the twilight zone of Wayne Cofield. You know, I was zonked out. My mind was wandering. Remember those ADDs and stuff, you know. I was just all over the place. And I want to tell you something, friend. I missed the blessing seeing God in the song and seeing God in the testimony and seeing God in the music and seeing God through the preaching and I didn't worship God and folks it's not just in church it's that God will give you a new desire and a new perspective and you can count things that count that you might win Christ and that you might know it I'm telling you a pure heart makes God real. And so if you want to enter in here with your little flippant attitude, indifference and preoccupation and sin and go back to it tomorrow, you have come in with a callous, crowded, cold heart. How we need to come in every time we come in, and it's a battle, I know. We need to come in with a pure heart which comes through brokenness and mourning and yieldedness and hunger and thirst and mercy we forgive ourselves we forgive others and then we have the promise blessed are they that, are, that have a pure heart for they so see God I don't know about you but in the coming year, I want to see God. I don't want to just feel God. I want to see God. I want to see God in my family. I want to see God work in my home. I want to see God work in my life. I want to go out and knock on doors and witness like I did yesterday. Me and Brother Kozell went and knocked on a door and 
the lady came to the door and she went like this. I said, I ain't started preaching yet. And she was saying in her deaf language, I was asleep. Because I kept on. I know they're in there. I see the little guy looking through the blind, Brother John. He said, looking. I said, come on out here. And face up. Fess up or whatever. And then she said, I'm deaf. And I said, I know it. So I started writing a letter to her, a lot of notes to her. And I thought to myself, there's a lot of other people that's deaf besides you, lady. They're not listening to God. They're not seeing God. And one of the biggest problems in our life is our heart is crowded and callous and cold. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. And Lord, I want to see him who's invisible in this coming year. I want to see you through your scriptures. I want to see you through circumstances. Lord, I want you to become bright and lively and living reality to me. I want it to be real. And Lord, I believe being real is the integrity that the psalmist was talking about. God, give us integrity of heart is our prayer. Forgive us for faking it. Forgive us for being preoccupied with our little self and sin. God, forgive us for coming in here just to be blessed and go and paying some religious tribute. God, forgive us when we don't come in here to see you, worship you, praise you, and adore you, and win you your approval in our everyday life. 